So what are we preaching on tonight? Uh, you'll see on the screen behind me that uh, we're preaching into the secret of joy. Um, and as a part of going deeper in the Word uh, to, tonight, um, and also this year as in the life of our church, something that was promised is that we would take one book of the Bible and deep dive into it and unpack it. And the book of the Bible that we are going to be unpackaging tonight is the book of Philippians, or rather, um, to better phrase it, Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. Um, and so tonight's going to be a little bit more teacher-focused, so I want you to turn to the, your neighbor and say, you're going to learn today. And I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, you're going to get some joy tonight. <laughs> say it exactly how I said it. There is no excuse to not say it that way. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do really quickly is I'm just going to paint a bit of a picture, a bit, some, give some background, some context uh, to, to the book of Philippi. Phil uh, Philippi, Philippians, the letter to the church of Philippi. How are we? So good. Um, <laughs> And the reason why we're going to paint a bit of background or a bit of context is because, it's, for those of you who don't know, the Bible wasn't actually written to you and I. It was written by someone to people that lived at a particular time that had cultural contexts, historical contexts, and it's written for you and I to glean stuff from it. And so when we get context, when we get background, we get to get some deeper understanding as to what God's trying to say. So... Um, the book of Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul. To paraphrase who the Apostle Paul is, he is probably the personification of God's superweapon. Um, he was born Saul, um, and he was raised to be a Pharisee, um, pretty much religious leader. He was trained under this guy named Gamaliel, who was just like the theologian of the day. So this guy was like the elite of the elite when it comes to religious knowledge. He knew his Bible back and front. Um, and his zeal and his passion for the house of God actually caused him to persecute the, the, the Christians, the, the Christians who were starting to gather momentum in the, in the early days. And so he, uh, just out of zeal, because he saw these guys as a threat to who he knew God to be, and so he persecuted them. He, uh, there was stoning, there was imprisonment, and he pretty much gave it the tick of approval. But one, in one moment, he, on a road to Damascus, he had this radical encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And in a moment, his life was radically transformed. And he, after a period of about 14 years, went on to become the first church missionary, the first church, uh, the first church planter, and he changed the world for Jesus. And so he's the guy writing to this church in Philippi, and to, uh, to pretty much summarize what Philippi was, Philippi was this Roman colony of a whole bunch of ex-generals who fought in the war for Rome, um, who were given like tax freedoms, who were given property, who were given all this wealth as like a reward for their services, in a nutshell. Um, and so in, uh, in Acts chapter, uh, where is it? Acts chapter, where are we? 16. Um, if you want to read about the birth of the church of Philippi, Paul, along with Silas and Timothy, two of his henchmen, as it were, um, were led by the Holy Spirit from a vision to go to this place called, this region called Macedonia, where they went to this place called Philippi, birthed the church from meeting a woman by a river who was praying. Um, and that was pretty much the, where the church in Europe began, was at the, was at the church of Philippi. And so, um, and for some, for some more context, this was actually written by Paul when he was in prison, for those of you who didn't know. He was in prison for the gospel, and he was writing to the Philippian church because they were looking after him. Um, they, were, they, were giving, they were supplying him with food, with supplies, with resources. And so he was a, 
essentially writing this letter to say, hey, thank you for all that you're supplying to me. And because they were super concerned about him, he was telling them that, hey, not just am I fine, but the gospel's being preached and the kingdom of God is advancing. So he was encouraging them, putting their hearts at peace. He was also just warning them against some things that he saw were potentially going to happen within the life of the church that weren't particularly healthy. And so these are just a couple of the reasons why this book was written, so, so that we can have some context as to why we're about to talk about what we're talking about. But throughout the entirety of the letter, there's this overarching theme, and it's the theme of joy. In fact, the key scripture in the book of Philippians, and it's also the, our verse of the month, is Philippians 4 verse 4, and it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I'm sure at some point you'll see that up on the screen. There is a QR code that you can, uh, that you can scan. And so we actually, as we read the book of Philippians, we can uncover some keys about joy that the Apostle Paul is encouraging this church in. Because if there is a dude who is in prison and is talking about rejoicing, you think he probably has some secrets to uncover. And so I just want to read uh, one particular scripture um, in the book of Philippians. It's Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14, and it says this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Jesus Christ, how good, Christ Jesus, (laughs) how good, Christ Jesus first possessed me. (laughs) I love that. No, dear brothers and sisters, stay with me. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, there it is, got it right, is calling us. One key, one secret of joy that we can uncover from the book of Philippians is that we discover joy by living life on mission. Living life on mission. Paul was a man on a mission, I'll tell you what. And uh, something that I love as I read this particular scripture is that uh, living life on mission is a lifelong mission. You can write that one down. It says, I love that it's, uh, so the reason why Paul's uh, writing that specific aspect of his letter is because it's actually been made apparent, this is for the context, to Paul that there were some people in the Philippian church who thought that they had achieved Christian perfection, that they'd made it, as it were. And you need to understand, in a a society of ex-militant people, of athletes, of Olympians, that um, in such a disciplined society, that's probably actually not a crazy statement to make. I'd imagine that their devotional life probably looks like 15 times better than mine at least. Um, Because of their discipline, I imagine they're those guys that wake up at 3 a.m. to pray for three hours and then read their Bible for three hours and then go and work out for three hours and then continue on with their day. I would imagine they're those kinds of people. And yet Paul, instead of rewarding this kind of mindset, is actually dissuading them from having it. And if there's anyone who made it by righteousness standards, it was Paul. Earlier in this, uh, earlier in this chapter, uh, in verses 4 to 6, it says this, Though I myself, Paul talking, have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, that's just like solidifying his um, position as like a, a righteous and holy person, because that was something that she did back then, just for some context. Um, of the tribe of Benjamin, which was one of the very few pure-blooded Israelite tribes of the day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, 
As for righteousness based on the law, catch this, faultless. The guy, this is Paul talking about himself. He's like, hey, if there is anyone who measures up to the standard of perfection by the world's standards, it's me. I'm faultless. Pretty bold claim to say. And yet he says, back in Philippians 3, he says, I do not say that I have already achieved perfection. And then he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Bit of a tangent. Whenever you're reading scripture, scripture and someone repeats themselves... Um, it's kind of like a literary tool to say, get this point. Um, so when, you, when someone repeats themselves in Scripture, pay attention to what they're saying because it's really important. Um, so we see that Paul's realized that ultimately until the day that Jesus, is return, re- Jesus returns, there was still more to be done. Jesus was still wanting to do more in him, and there was still greater things to be done for Christ. And with that, greater measures of his grace. And so when you and I adopt this I've made it mindset, we actually become stagnant in our faith. And when Paul, but Paul instead calls us to press on, to press in, to keep moving forward. And we know there is more to do. And as we know that, God's got more for you and I. You and I. It creates a sense of purpose, a sense of expectation and excitement from, for what God's going to do. And with all of that comes joy. You need to know tonight that God's mission for you and I as believers is lifelong. Until we go to be with the Lord, God's got a plan and a purpose for you and I. And as we live out that will, His destiny for our lives, a a joy will ultimately overflow in us because we're living the purpose that we are wired for. Living life on mission is a lifelong mission. And secondly, to experience joy in living life on mission We've got to leave our past behind. Verse 13 says this of, uh, of Philippians 3, But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking to what is ahead. You've got to imagine Paul for a second as he's writing this. He would be so conscious of his past, a past of persecuting, imprisoning, and approving the killing of those who he now actually considers his brothers and sisters his family in Christ. And so if anyone has a, a past that would haunt him, it would be Paul. Could you imagine? Being the guy that, you know, when Jesus looks at your life, there would just be this season where you're just going after his bride. And yet, and yet, he recognizes how much that past would hinder him from moving into all that Christ has still got for him to do. <laughs> and so you may be here, And when you look at your past, you may think to yourself, how could God ever possibly look at me and love me, let alone use me to do something significant in this world? You may only feel guilt and shame when you look at your past, but you need to understand something tonight. The enemy, the devil, will jump on those thoughts to rob us of that joy, to keep us stuck in that cycle of condemnation. But as believers in Jesus, we're called to forget the past Living life on mission, we've got to forget it. And what I love about Paul is as he's recalling his past, he would also recall that moment on the road to Damascus when he's going to do the thing that his old life was calling him to do. He was on his way to go persecute more believers. And in a moment, in one moment, he encounters the risen Jesus. His life is completely transformed. And God begins the journey of setting him on a completely new path. You need to understand tonight that in Jesus, 
your past with all its mess can be completely done away with. And you can walk in a freedom into the fullness of all He has for you. Your future doesn't have to be defined by your past. It's a new thing in Jesus. And the thing is about Jesus, when we enter into a relationship with Him, He completely forgets our past. The the Scriptures say that our, our sin is cast into the sea of forgetfulness. So if He's forgotten our past, why in God's green earth, why would we hold on to it? Why would we remind Him of it when it's gone? Let's not be burdened and bound by our past, but instead look ahead at Jesus, at the life He has for us. I've got to encourage you tonight, if you're just going about life, with no purpose, if you're living a joyless life, can I encourage you tonight to live life on mission, to live it for the long haul, and to put your past aside and step into all that God has for you. Would you just close your eyes for a moment as I pray? Father, I thank you that the plans that you have for us are good, and they're lifelong. Father, I thank you for every person here that you have a plan and a purpose, and it's good, it's not for evil. And I thank you that as we make the decision tonight to live life on mission, Father, that you would fill us with a joy and a sense of purpose and a sense of expectation, Lord, to live out all that you have for us. And in the name of Jesus, we all said, amen. 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 God bless you, church. Hope that encourages you. Awesome. That was so awesome, babe. Um, Love that. Let us not be bound um, by the burden of our past, but step into a future. God's forgotten that past of yours. Um, He is so ready to just see you exceed and excel in the calling that he has for your life. That was so, so awesome. Would everyone give Isaac just one more round of applause for that amazing message? So, so good. Well, I would like to invite the amazing Isaac Sansom up. I don't know about you guys, but I personally, I've told you this before, Isaac, but you are actually one of my favorite preachers. Like, I mean that with all of my heart. I, every single time you preach, I leave more convicted, more in love with Jesus, more excited to worship, pray, and read the word like never before. And yeah, I just know that you're going to bring an amazing word. So come on up and everyone just... Give a round of applause for Isaac Sansom. That was super kind. You guys are awesome. I love being, I went to a school where there was like absolutely no Isaacs. And so I was never used to anyone else saying my name. And now there's like a solid three or four of us. Sometimes you'd hear Joel just be like, oh, Isaac, it could be speaking to you. And I'd turn around and she'd be like, oh, like, I mean my Isaac. And I'm like, oh, just clarify. Anyway. I love you guys. You guys can all sit down. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment um, just to honor some really uh, a special person in both my life and the, the life of my wife, Sienna, and that's Pastor Josh Stoughton. We just, yeah, come on, put your hands together for Pastor Josh. But there's um, such a gift in Pastor Josh just to see the best in people. And even when we've been in season, Sienna and I, where I wouldn't say our character's necessarily been godly or good, you've always pulled out the gold from all of it. And you don't just do that for us. You do it for so many people here. And it's just such a blessing to be under your leadership. And I'm just so excited to see all that God's going to do with both you and Shekinah. So can we just put our hands together for (laughs) Pastor Josh? I was going to tell some dad jokes, but I thought I would spare you all. Um, No, they're terrible. They go downhill. I feel like I've just been scarred for life from my own dad. So I'll save those for Pastor John rather than... um, 
I'll, otherwise I'm just giving away all my pearls to people that just might not appreciate them. Um, no, but anyway, um, I'm so thankful that Isaac introduced this topic um, so beautifully. We're going to be covering the, the letter uh, from church to uh, the Philippian church or the church in Philippi. And I would just encourage all of you, uh, maybe you haven't read your Bible or maybe you've read it for 50 years, that as we go through this together this month, it would just be such a blessing for us as a family just to read it together, just to lean into it together. And as we hear people uh, over this month share different things, I can guarantee that not only are we going to learn something together, but I, can, I just know that God speaks to people through His Word. And that God, what he said to me is amazing, but he's got something fresh for you as well. And so I just want to encourage you this month to just go, go besides your daily readings and go and read Philippians as well as we go on this journey as a family. Um, but anyway, the background that um, I wanted to share beside what Isaac has already shared so beautifully is that I really love Paul in the Bible because he's someone that I can connect with as a disciple. Because I, when I see the other disciples, they were all people that grew up with Jesus they physically knew him. They walked around with him. They spent three years with him. They saw him die. They saw him resurrected and they saw him ascend to heaven. But Paul didn't. Paul had the same experience that we can all have. And for me, that's motivating to know that Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament and Paul that writes this beautiful letter has the same opportunity to know Jesus as we do that he didn't know Jesus when he walked the earth. He only had that moment on the road to Damascus and that began it all. And we can all have that moment. And that really inspires me to go, you know what, if Paul can think like this, if Paul can receive revelation like this, if Paul can uh, be so filled with joy and courage like this, then so can I and so can you guys. And so that just motivates me really just to press into all that he's saying. And one of the themes, as we've said, um, as we read through the book of Philippians that comes out is this theme of joy. And a part of it, as we read through the book of Philippians, Paul gives many reasons as to why, as Christians, we should have joy. And one of those is that we should live life on a mission, as Isaac was talking about. And if you were here this morning, Pastor John so beautifully shared about as well. And when I was reading Philippians, um, kind of leading up to today, but also um, just in the past, when I start to think about life on a mission, I find it amazing that when Paul's writing to these guys, Roman generals, people that used to be in the army, Olympic athletes back in the day. Did you know, actually, weird fact, they used to do the 100-meter sprint naked. Did anyone else know that? Sorry, I just completely sidetracked. So, <laughs> I just, uh, anyway, I just got so sidetracked. My mind went to terrible places. That's just a... Uh, Anyway, we all need to repent now. We'll just pictured funny things. Um, <laughs> Olympic athletes, <laughs> Roman generals. Um, oh, man. Um, Roman generals, other people write, all these people that had these certain mindsets. And so what Paul does when he writes this letter from prison is he uses language that they can relate to. And as he's describing what it's like to live a life on a mission, he describes both himself and other servants of God and them, what they, how, a way that they should look at their lives and a way that they should see themselves. And the first word that he uses is found right off the bat in Philippians 1.1. It says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Slaves. See, back then it was such a common thing for there to be slaves. I know here, thank God, um, it's, it's not a common thing. But back then it was a part of their normal life. And so Paul's speaking to these people that most of them would never be slaves. Most of them had slaves. And so Paul comes right off the bat and he's saying, hey, me, your spiritual leader, your spiritual father, I am a slave of Christ. 
And the word that they use there is not just any slave, but one of a bond slave, which can also be translated like a love slave. Someone who actually could have been free and has served their time as a slave, but actually says, no, because I love my master, because my master takes care of me, it's actually better for me to be a slave than to be free. And so there's this moment where they come and they put their earlobe on a doorpost and smack a nail through it. And basically that just says to the public, hey, I'm not a slave by my, against my own will, but I'm a slave by choice. And Paul's coming straight off the bat and he's addressing these people and he's saying, hey, the one that's writing to you, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. That's the position that I live from. I live on a mission to serve my master. You see, slaves don't live like everyone else. They have their eyes continuously fixed on their master saying, just waiting for that next command. You know, I can picture slaves, they're doing their job, but at the same time, they're just keeping an eye on their master. What does he want me to do next? And Paul's saying straight away, if you want to live a life on mission filled with joy, keep an eye on Jesus at all times. Keep your eyes fixed on him, waiting for that next command. And as you do that, like a love slave chooses to serve their master, joy flows and comes. The next point or the next word that um, Paul uses to describe um, actually a fellow um, co-worker, Epaphroditus, I don't know how I've said that properly, but it's in Philippians 2.25. It says, meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphrodites back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. So basically this guy, Epaphrodites, um, Paul, the whole reason he's writing the letter to the Philippians is kind of to say thank you more than anything. If you were in prison back then, you didn't get three meals and a TV, as bad as prison is today. If you didn't get fed by the outside world or by friends, you would just die in prison. And so this church in Philippi has actually sent him this care package, so to speak. And they've sent it with this man called Epaphrodites. And so Paul's saying, hey, thank you so much for your gift. I'm sending this guy back to you. But the way he describes him is what I love, fellow soldier. Again, language that these Philippians can understand. He's saying, hey, if you wanna live a life on mission, you want to live with joy, you have to see yourself as a soldier again. And you're a soldier not in a fleshly normal army, but a soldier in an eternal army, one that's not going anywhere. Paul's mission as a soldier, he outlines in Philippians 1, 14 to 25, but for the sake of time, we'll just read from 20 to 25. This is Paul talking about his purpose. He says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. How many of us can say that, hey? Um, but if I live, I can do more fruitful works for Christ. So really, I don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. For I long to be with Christ, for that would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Paul's mission was to defend the good news, to speak boldly God's message about Jesus, to honor Jesus, to help people to grow and experience the joy of their faith. You see, soldiers aren't concerned about civilian affairs. Paul is pretty unfazed that he's in prison. He goes on to say, joyful and uh, be joyful and all these positive things. And when you think about what he's saying and then you picture where he's saying that from, it's pretty mind-blowing. But it's because he has that mindset. Do you understand how hard it is to deter someone who doesn't know whether it's better to die or to live? Like, how do you deflate someone like that? He says, hey, if, if I get killed, fantastic. 
because now I'm with Jesus. Now I've received my reward. I'm in heaven and I'm free. But if I live, it's good for you and for me because I can continue to do the work. I can continue to be a soldier and I can continue to serve Jesus. Like, think about that. You cannot defeat someone like that. They have a mindset that's unshakable. And I love that that soldier mindset, like I said, we're not concerned about whether Coles runs out of toilet paper or we're not, <laughs> we're not concerned about fighting people on Facebook or doing all these things because why? The world's going nuts and we're, we're on an eternal purpose. We have our eyes on heaven. We have an eye on Jesus. We're soldiers for him. We're concerned about eternal things. And that leads me to the next word that Paul uses to describe what it's like to live on mission. And that's that we're citizens of heaven. It says in Philippians 1.27, above all, all means all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. It says in Philippians 3.20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly wait for him to return as our savior. See, a citizen is a member of a community, right? They come under that community, they fall under its laws, they get its benefits. And Paul's saying, hey, above being Roman citizens, above being a bunch of Aussies, we're citizens of heaven. We're not from this world, hence we shouldn't think like them. Our priorities should be different to the world. The things that worry the world shouldn't worry us. And Paul's saying, when you can have that mindset, you can be in a prison cell and be filled with joy. Why? Because you're living from an eternal perspective. If you view your life as a 70-year life, spending 10 years of that in prison sucks. But if you view your life as an eternal one, and that 10 years serves the good of the gospel and means more people see Jesus, do you understand that your perspective changes? It means that when you're sitting in a prison cell... You can count it all joy. Paul says at the start of the Philippians, the, the start of the letter, he says, man, I'm so glad I'm in here. Why? Because the guards know that I'm here for Jesus. The generals know I'm here for Jesus. Now my fellow friends that are outside have more boldness to preach Jesus. He's kicking back knowing that even in prison, he's doing the work of the Lord. And if we have that same mindset and eternal perspective, it means that we can endure things differently. We see differently. We think differently. And so I just want to encourage us all to have those same mindsets that Paul had, that we should consider ourselves slaves to Jesus Christ, not because we're forced to, but because we choose to. We should consider ourselves citizens of heaven, which means that we think differently. We belong under a different set of laws. We operate differently. And we should see ourselves as soldiers. The other thing about soldiers is they're not, they know who their enemy is, right? Our war's not against other people who think differently to us. Paul goes on and says in another book that we fight against things that are not flesh and blood. You see, that, that enables us to fight a different opponent while loving people. See, we're not, we're not taking to platforms and different things to bash people for having a different view for us. We can't expect the blind to see. I tell myself that all the time. If someone has a different view to me and they're persecuting me, it's because they can't see why they're doing that which helps me to love the person and separate them from their actions. You see, I know that I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. My war's not against people. Neither is yours. It's against things in the spirit, right? And the way that we win that is like Paul does. We count it all joy. We live like Jesus. We fix our eyes on him and we just continue to spread his good news. I want to encourage you just to do exactly what Paul did and exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came here with a mission, came here with a purpose, 
He didn't, it says he set his face like flint to do the will of God. He, he had his eyes fixed on the cross the whole time. And same with us. We have a purpose and a mission, each of us in this life. And our, our eyes should be fixed on that, fixed on Jesus, not getting deterred by the worries of the world. And I know it's not easy. I'm by no means saying that life is easy, but Jesus is enough to get us through that. And he's enough to use us and live on mission. And so can we just close our eyes? I just want to pray with us. Jesus, we're just so thankful that you would use people like us to do your will. We're so thankful that you choose to fulfill your plans in this earth through your people. And so, Lord, we as a family just put our hands up today and say that we're willing and able and accepting of your call. Jesus, we want to be soldiers for you. We want to be citizens of heaven. We want to be bond slaves because you love us and we want to be under your authority. And Jesus, we just give ourselves to you today. And Father, I just pray a blessing over each of us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us eternal eyes, that we would not view our lives, Lord Jesus, as merely 30, 40, 50, 80 years, but as an eternity, Lord. I pray that, Lord Jesus, whatever we are enduring, Lord, we know that it's real pain, but Lord, you can get us through every season. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would so fill us with joy that whether we're in a prison cell or a palace, we would be so filled with joy. It would not change no matter our circumstances. Father, I pray right now for an impartation of joy into all of us that Lord, no matter what we're walking through, that we would have a spring in our step, a smile on our face, knowing that Jesus, you are good and you're faithful and that what you began in us, you will finish. And so Jesus, we just declare that we love you we worship you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I'm handing back to Pastor Jeremy. Hey.